Hey everybody, welcome to what I'm calling the first episode of the Canadian Woman of the Outdoors podcast. My name is Nicole Vatchel. Um, I've actually decided to start this podcast after um, a lot of time spent listening to podcasts, listening to um, or watching YouTube videos, and seeing that there's a lot of focus on um, a lot of men based podcast, but not so much women, especially in the Canadian scene and uh, hunting and fishing up in Canada is vastly different than that of the States. So I decided to start this podcast and talk to a bunch of amazing women that are Canadian women of the outdoors. They hunt, they fish, they forage, they have businesses, um, just to kind of get their perspective, introduce them to more people and just kind of build a bigger network. Um, So this is episode one. It's a very special episode for two reasons. Um, First reason being I have a very special giveaway from Chili Moose. Um, So you'll have to follow our social media for that giveaway. Um, Also, second reason that's very special is I am super lucky to have Miss Shauna Lee Anair Fox from Wild North Adventures on Wild TV, which is Canada's leading hunting and fishing network. So welcome, Shauna. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's it's been a wild ride. I know when I approached you back in the summer about it, uh, I was super nervous and you were just like, yes, let's do this. And I was like, all right, cool. She's on board. Let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm always down to support women in business. And it's definitely something that's lacking in our industry in Canada. So if this is you want to be, I'm proud of you and I'll support you in any way I can. Well, I completely agree. And even like when you were at the sportsman show, there was only like what four or five of you ladies on the stage. And I think it just needs to be a bigger, more diverse. There needs to be more of us. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. so, so we'll start with the easy questions here. Um, basically, what got you into your hunting fishing? Like where from little a little Shauna Lee to like where you are now, like the host of the show and all your adventures and everything? So I grew up in the north. I was born in northern Ontario. It is the middle of a snowstorm right now while I'm recording recording with you. Um, but I started here. I started in the north. My grandparents owned, right from when I was born, uh, they owned a, an outfitters establishment called Golden Eagle Camp here in Metachewan, um, Ontario. And I learned to walk, ride, cast, shoot, all there, uh, write my name, all of the things. If my grandpa went to go invade a bear camp without me, he'd be in trouble. If my nan went out fishing without me, she'd be in trouble. I spent <laughs> time at the outfitters camp growing up than I did with my own parents. So it's in my blood. I was raised in it. To, for the outdoors, really, the first nation aspect of it all really didn't come into play until I was older. Um, I got my status card when I was younger. I was in elementary school when I got my status card. I knew I was native growing up, but my mom never really raised me in it. She was not a cultural woman. I guess when, when she was growing up, it was almost embarrassing to be first nation. She was made, lots of people were made fun of and we're not in the era right now where truth and reconciliation was a thing like Mm -hmm. that, you know, but back then when my mom was in elementary school she that's not how it was we still had like up until 1996 we still had residential schools so to be native you didn't speak much of it because you were afraid (laughs) yeah so now 
now we're we're in an era where we're standing up tall and we're being proud about that and we're embracing our culture and when I was in my 20s and it's beautiful it's beautiful thank you and that's a whole other aspect of hunting that we're going to touch on today is that cultural hunting it's not a sport for me it's more of a lifestyle absolutely yep and um but yeah I in my 20s I started questioning after college like I don't who am I? Like, I feel like I'm missing that piece of me. I love the outdoors. I love, I love, um, being in the North. I am drawn to my first nation culture, but I didn't know what that was. So I just started immersing myself in anything that had to do with first nation programming, drumming, uh, land-based teachings, sweat ceremonies, powwows. I started applying for all the jobs in my in First Nation communities in my area, and I was I I, I was successful in working in my community, and I'm still very successful in working in my community now. <laughs> and um, that's kind of where I got into the hunting more. Is prov- that's where I wanted to start learning more is that cultural piece where I was connecting, healing my soul out on the land, and then that kind of spiraled into providing for my family as well and providing a self-sustainable meat that I know where it's coming from organically. Um, our creator places those animals in our paths. Those, I'm a firm believer that an animal doesn't give up its life unless it is meant to give up its life for you. I hunt so many, I go out and I hunt really hard and there's times where I'm like, gosh, why why am I not successful? And then there's times where I go out and in those moments where that animal gives its life to me, it it was meant to happen that way. Yeah. You know, that animal yeah. and they're 10 times fold to give itself to you if it's meant for you. Yeah. And those are little teachings that I learned growing, growing and learning on the land and I'm still learning. So where, when you're saying, how did you get here today? I'm still learning. I'm still getting there. I'm still figuring yeah. it out like everybody else in the outdoors. Um, but when you can never to- have too much education, honestly, it's, I love learning too. And I know I'm going to be learning until the day I die. <laughs> like, it's just, I love learning too. Yeah, me too. And I think that that's where people are starting to get stuck when it comes to, um, blocking people who are trying to learn in the outdoors like women there's so many women in the outdoors right now that are like teach me teach me teach me teach me teach me there's so many people that are like let's gatekeep this so i am such an advocate for supporting women in the outdoors getting people out there women or men people who are wanting to come and learn how to be safe in the outdoors learn how to for how to forage our medicines learn how to self to respect animals in the outdoors there's so many aspects of being an outdoors person and now that COVID is over everyone is wanting to be outdoors you know wanting to there I think once COVID started, that was like everyone's sort of outreach. Okay, let's go outdoors. Let's learn. Yeah. Saw you saw women in the outdoors almost double during. Oh COVID, yeah, you know, yeah. because they're like, holy, I can't go to the grocery store. Holy, there's a lack of this. Holy, look at the price of meat. What are what's everyone had time to question all of the things that are going on now. In this what was COVID like for you guys out there? So I was actually originally from the Toronto area and I know we were completely locked down. We didn't really have that option to even really get outdoors because you get outdoors and you see more concrete. 
yeah. And it, traveling was hard, so it was like di- it was different for you up there. It was obviously. different, yeah. Um, it made things a lot easier, obviously, um, to go out and heal your mental health while you're trying. While everyone's telling you to stay locked indoors. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my show also aired, the first season also aired at the height of COVID. Oh, um, really? Yeah, that my season one, okay. height of COVID. And um, I don't even know how to say this in the most polite way, but it was a show. It doesn't need to be polite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, And I will stand by that tenfold because... I am not only I w- I'm not only a woman who is now putting myself out there and all of my hunting ability to be judged by the world, but I'm also a First Nation woman who does not abide by the normal tag system. I abide by First hunting rules and regulations. So I'm now a female, and I'm now bringing something to a global platform that's never been seen on national television national television a while before. Now, do you ever get backlash from the native uh, aspect and the non-tagging system? Mm -hmm. So Wild and I, Wild TV, I cannot say enough amazing things about them. Scott Sterling is amazing. He, every single time, and when I say that we got backlash, we got backlash. I had all my lawyers to involve MNR. I had to have letters of support um, from industry leading professionals proving that my my the way that I hunt is legal, the way that um, the way that we carried out and do things is a different way of life and that people just need we're trying to educate. We're trying to, so that you guys not now don't see us as poachers, but you see this as a norm because this is why if I made a difference in the first season to anybody was it made it was first nation people because yeah. and i saw that at the toronto sportsman show because like i said the show aired at the height of covid and i hadn't been to a sportsman show since covid had ended so this past year was my first toronto sportsman show that i attended since the show since the show was aired okay i didn't know that <laughs> yeah and the sportsman show um they had sponsored me a booth and Honestly, half of the time I was there, I was I spent time with First Nation people. There was times where my booth was lined up with people who just wanted to come and tell me that they that they've never seen anything like that on television before. That watching me, like I had women crying in my booth, <laughs> just saying, "Oh, really? I've never felt connected to my culture and being out on the land and hunting when I like like I do when I watch your television show." And I never, I see it online, obviously social media is a big presence and you see the comments and you see the things, but when someone comes up to you in your face and she, and there, there's tears of movement, that's when you know that you have done something right, that your show is making a difference in First Nation people's lives so that they don't have to go out and feel like they are poachers in the bush, like they are doing something wrong, like they have something to hide, um, you know, and that's, that's the way it's been for so long. Yeah, um, that we've been known as poachers or that we that we are um, 
we don't respect the land or we take too much or obviously there's one but there's a bad apple every once in the blue moon where people are taking too much or not respecting their treaty rights but that's just like every community let's well that's that's well, even there in ours like yeah even those who have tags they're still poachers like yeah. it's there's always a bad seed you can't yeah. escape that yeah. but it's just to educate yourself and actually be involved in the people who are educated and do what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So, so, but circling back, so how did you end up starting Wild North Adventures? So Wild North Adventures was never supposed to be anything huge. It was, like I said. And now it is. (laughs) Yes, like I was never meant to be well-known, okay? I am like get anxiety in big crowds and... Um, feel that <laughs> like not who I am as a person or who I was as a person not who I was as a person um even now still like I'm like how big's the crap like and people have to remind me and be like Shauna you're on tv like you <laughs> like, yeah but my cameras follow me around in the bush where there's no one else like but anyways circling back like you said <laughs> The show just kind of started. Uh, we fit, we were starting to film. I just wanted to film like my bear hunts, stuff that I can go back and put on YouTube and just watch for fun. And yeah. we were just filming um, our bear hunt and um, Golden Eagle Camp, my family's camp, uh, donated. We don't own it anymore, but uh, the owners were at the time were really good to us and donated um, some baits for us to just film and, and hang out and kind of do our thing. So I posted a bear hunt and it got it blew up on YouTube and someone put it to uh, wild TV's editors. And I got a call. I was actually driving to like to Toronto to fly out to Cuba. And I got a phone call from wild TV and offering me a television show saying they've never had anything like that before. They would like to show a strong first nation woman. They want to show the culture. They want to support that. And um, they think it's time to make a difference and make a movement on it. And so I, said yes (laughs) well yeah (laughs) absolutely um but let me just think about what that looks like i'm going on vacation peace so (laughs) i'm taking off to cuba for a week or two weeks forever we'll talk when i get back (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and so i went to cuba i thought about it um i talked to my ex-husband about it he was supportive um at the time supportive (laughs) and uh, all right not so much supportive now (laughs) but um he was supportive at the time and we went ahead with it and now we're filming our fourth season amazing yeah we're busy with the sponsorship um i don't seek sponsorship they seek me at this point and um every single sponsorship that's on my team i believe in their business um i believe people that are running it uh dsg for example an amazing company uh, ran by women for women. Um, I got turned onto their gear this past weekend. So Caitlin got a waterfowl jacket and I, I hadn't tried it on before. And I was like, well, I don't have a waterfowl jacket. So I brought it hunting this weekend. I was like, I need me one of these. It was warm. Yeah. Your girlfriend uh, does DSG lots, eh? She loves it. Oh, she loves the DSG. She loves that stuff. Yeah. So. They're, they're honestly so functional. Like I just, there's pockets where there needs to be pockets that aren't in pockets in men like that's what I noticed too I was like oh I've got like all the pockets yeah I know except for when I'm doing promo shots for them I always get Lisa uh from DSG messaging me make sure your pockets are zipped up make sure this is done up right you can't (laughs) pockets zipped up I'm like shush hey Lisa I see you (laughs) 
<laughs> but that's again awesome. You're a woman promoting a female clothing, like hunting, fishing clothing company. That's that's amazing as well. Yeah. And just amazing that they were able because again, like women do also fit differently than men. Like there's a different fit. Eyes, like they go, they fit everybody, whether you're short or tall. Like I am so tall, but my camera gear or my camera, I'm I'm tall, but my camera girl is taller than me. So I roll my like they have like little buckles on the bottom of the pants and she just unbuckles my pants and wears my pants because they fit every height too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, so Caitlin again is short. It all fits her. I'm a little tall. It still fit me. Like it's, it's great gear. And I was like, I need to actually invest in some of this stuff. Cause it kept me, I had a t-shirt under my jacket cause it was so warm. I was like, yeah. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm invested in this now. I mean, I wear wolf hunting in minus 40, so. <laughs> oh, minus 40. Oh, I hope I don't get that down here. My goodness. What do you mean? You don't want to come down? You don't want to come down for a wolf hunt? I mean, I would come up there, but I don't want it down here. I would come up and be ready, but I don't want to live in it for, I, I, I like warmth. I like living in it, but like, I like to go away on vacation too. <laughs> and so I I don't go I'm terrified of planes so I don't go to anywhere warm so I just my summer here is that's my Cuba <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Cuba for me is when it's warm here and I go to my trailer and I'm like all right port a backyard let's go <laughs> <laughs> my little my little vacation is in April when um it's high ice here but I go for turkey hunting and then I come back and come ice fishing again <laughs> in April you're ice fishing in April Absolutely. We're pulling the shacks off in April. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I still need to come up there and ice fish and get a bigger pike than what I got. Like, yeah. yeah like we get, we hunt or we fish for pike. Like, um, we're going on a walk <laughs> that are taller than me. Can you see that? Is there a glare? There. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can see it there. Wow. Like, that's a big pike. That is a huge pike. <laughs> yeah. And then we have this walleye over here too. Hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys got some really good fishing up there. Yeah. We have amazing fishing. We have amazing hunting. The only thing we don't have here is deer and turkey. Well, that's, we have an abundance of that. You should yeah. come turkey or deer hunting on our property. I agree. We, we have way too much. I was out hunting grouse the other day and I saw about 40 turkey and I'm like, all right. Like yeah. we have, we, like my, like my Caitlin's dad, whose farm we hunt on, he's just like, I am done with this population. It's so overpopulated on his farm. Yeah. I'm like, well, we're trying to take care of that. Mm -hmm. So, And that's the thing about First Nation hunting too, is that we, because I don't ab abide by a tag system, um, I have to, ha I have an invite only for say, I want to go hunt at Alderville first nation, their chief and council will write me a letter of permission to go and hunt on their, on their territory land. If I wanted to say, go and hunt on Caitlin's dad's farmland, um, all he would have to do is write a letter of permission. So if I'm not hunting on territory land, then I have to be hunting on height of the lands or farmland, um, with written permission by the landowner. Oh, Okay. Like a little different than tag system. It's very different. Um, but uh, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later as we were talking about the moose tagging. But you've mentioned the fields table, the harvesting, that lifestyle where you take every bit of the meat and everything. And that's obviously a huge thing for you. 
you harvest and keep, I'm guessing, every bit, the hides, everything? Yeah, so I don't keep the hides as of right now, but I do keep the hide if, say, the community is say requesting that they want it. So um, you share? Absolutely. Lots of sharing. Lots, Lots of sharing. Of sharing. Yes, I have harvested three moose this year so far. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, um, and that goes back to... I don't take more than I need. Last year, I didn't harvest at all for my freezer because I had enough moose that I thought would last me um, moving into this year and get me into October. I ran out of steaks in August. So I was like, on pins and needles there for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. for, I wasn't eating moose meat. And like, I, I eat a complete field to table lifestyle. Other like when it comes to meat, I only buy chicken at the grocery store. You're not going to see me buy a piece of beef there. Um, well, why would you? Like yeah. if you have that, that's yeah, ten times better than beef. Yeah, so I eat deer, grouse, moose, um, bear, fish, wall, uh, like anything like that. So the field to table lifestyle really is just um, how I live my life. <laughs> but when it comes to sorry what were we talking what was the question I feel like I just went off on a tangent here that's fine no we were talking about the field stable lifestyle and then um, you mentioned that you share you yeah. don't take everything for yourself so, so the second so I shot two moose for my personal freezer this year um okay. now and then I donated one to Keepers of the Circle, which is an indigenous support hub here in Kirkland Lake. And okay. they provide programming, whether it's cultural programming, employment programming, family, family wellness programming. Um, they are also attached to the same uh, building as Mino Muskiki, which is our indigenous health team. So all uh, indigenous doctors, nurses, everything. Oh, okay. all hub. Yeah. So Aboriginal that's awesome cultural programming, anything like that. So if there's programming that night, um, that like a beating or a drum making or um, a sweat, anything like that, the meat that I donated will go to feed the Indigenous families during programming that day. So when you say programming, is that just, is it like an event or like, like so everybody in the community comes together? Yeah. Yep. So you can like register, say there's like a beating night, they'll post it. I'll keepers on the server. Okay. What is a beating? Sorry. I'm just, just like, like, like it'll teach you how to like bead indigenous artwork and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like, or like a drum night where we drum, like we'll drum on our cultural drums or. Oh, that sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Yes. It's, it's moving. It's spiritual. It's healing. It's, it's beautiful. And we, or say we do a full moon ceremony and we have the community members come. There's all often a meal. So the meat from that, that moose will feed the community during those, those programming times. And that's like, you don't just do that with moose. Is that the other animals and stuff that like that you've harvested before? Or is it just kind of, you do moose mostly it's with that? Moose um, that I donate if there's like a fish fry or something like that, then I'll donate that as well. Um, but uh, we do do, actually, I do harvest bear and then I bring the bear fat and I've done cultural teachings with keepers on how to render down bear fat and things like that for, for like medicine, medicinal medicine purposes. Because in our culture, so I received, I don't know if you've seen that big, massive bear that I shot. Um, oh, I, yeah, I've seen all the things. Yeah, yeah. I, fo I follow you. I know you, girl. <laughs> so... Last spring, I shot a very massive bear. It was 428 pounds, guts out. So it would be yeah. 
over 500 pounds um, guts in. Good for you. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was a rush. It was amazing. But um, there's a lot surrounding that hunt that brought a lot of negativity to my career. (laughs) Okay. And and not because um, from anyone in the hunting community, it, because rightfully that hunt was successful and I have everything to be proud of about it. And, um, it is a huge accomplishment for any hunter to be able to harvest a bear at that magnitude and at that quality. And it's probably my lifetime black bear. I was going to say, that's like your once in a lifetime big bear that you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. And I appreciate his life more than anybody will ever know. And not one piece of him went to waste. He's at the taxidermist right now. He's getting a full mount. I used all of his fat, all of his meat, and he's going to be remembered forever. But um, when it saying that, um, I think it's a great place to address this and a safe space to address this now. Is um, I've received a lot of flack back from my First Nation community and uh, about it. Yes. And it's because that we have clans in our first nation beliefs and I'm an Eagle clan. So, but a lot of my community members are bear clan. Okay. So when they watched that back, they thought I wasn't being respectful towards the animal. They see pain, they see suffering, they see, they see anger. They, it hurts. It's like, it's like watching your favorite animal die and be tortured, you know? And that is a tough part about my career is how to portray that respectfully, um, but also in a way that I have a job to do. Um, And I have a lot of people that watch my show that aren't First Nation, and I still have to give them the quality of footage that I, I, they deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Wild, you're only allowed to show a certain amount of seconds of that animal dying anyway. I was going to ask that. Yeah, obviously you can't show the full thing. It's probably for TV sensory purposes or whatever it is. I'm guessing it's just a quick shot. Yeah. So um, after that show had aired, lots of people wanted to see the full footage. And because social media is so powerful, I put a poll up and every single person said, yes, they want to see the full footage. So I released the full footage and from 56 seconds from when that bear entered frame to when the bear died, it took 56 seconds. So that is n- not suffering. That is a no. very, very, very clean hunt. And in my eye, successful because most black bears, when you shoot them, they take off and they run in the bush. And- I was going to say, you didn't have to chase it, right? No. In it, 56 seconds? Yes. It landed 15 feet from my feet. Oh, Okay. Um, it barrel rolled and it laid there and died. And the letters of support from MNR and leading industry professional professionals after they've watched the video stated that a second bullet would have been a waste. Oh, and so you guys actually got the MNR involved as well, or the MNR reached out to you? Absolutely, I had to because yeah. my community was trying to remove my status card, trying to remove me from my reserve. Um, what? I I made this animal suffer. I'm a trophy hunter. I should have given this animal a second bullet. And the reality of it was it was from ed- hunters who were uneducated or p- people who were uneducated and not hunters of- for themselves. Yeah. And that's a huge thing too. Like and if that- you aren't a hunter, you don't really know. No. 
and that's a huge thing but that is also the double-edged sword that I battle with when I try and portray something on TV because I don't only have to now think about the respect that I I need from my hunting community but also the aspect of am I respecting everybody culturally as well so when you see me post it's because I've went over that post 10 12 20, 30, 40, 50 million times before I actually post something to make sure that I am respecting everybody involved when it comes to culture, when it comes to the outdoor community, when it comes to women yeah. in the And that's another huge thing is being a, such a large role model for women in the outdoors. Huge. Um, huge. You're one of my role models. like, And that's why I was like, oh my God, she's actually going to come talk to me. This is amazing. <laughs> I called you. I gave you a shout out at the Sportsman Show. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did for pineapple shorts. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I, I see your social media. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just wait till the outfit next year at the Sportsman Show. <laughs> so finally, I just the bear, I just kind of said, you want to know what? I know that I've done everything possible in my power to make sure that um, that animal was respected. I didn't do anything wrong. I need to be proud of it. And um, I am. I am proud of it. And um, the haters can hate all they want. Um, that animal died in 56 seconds. And um, a bear moan is enough to scare a grown-ass man out of the bush if you haven't heard it. Uh, I haven't, so. Yeah, it's when a bear dies, 90% of the time it has this, like, blood curdling scream that it's like a child dying almost and it's 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 a moment of silence that you take you know and it, it's something you're never gonna forget um if you talk to anybody who bear hunts avidly they will tell you that it's scary it's not something yeah. it, um not everybody hears it but if you do it's it's not a fun time and mm -hmm. i'm assuming that the people who weren't hunting and watched that video it, it, it moved them in a way yeah. to think that that animal was suffering and it wasn't. And um, I mean, when you, when an animal is shot, it takes that amount of time for organs to shut down and things to shut down and um, for that animal to actually expire. So if I were to just continue to have shot bullets in it, it just, it would not have made a difference. No. Um, and um, it was what it was and I'm still proud of it. As you should be. That's a massive, like you said, it's a once in a lifetime. Like you're probably never going to shoot a bear of that size again. Like yep. it's the once in a lifetime. And again, you used every bit of the bear. Like nothing went to waste. It's not like you just shot it and it's going up on your wall. No, no, no. You, you harvested all the meats, like everything. So, every yeah. So again, like that that's ethical hunting like if you're going to if you're going to harvest an animal everything should get used especially yeah. of a bear of that size like i yeah. can only imagine how much bear fat you got off that a lot and i, I was gonna say donated a lot of that rendered down bear fat to elders of alderville uh, first nation community who have like pain like arthritis pain and um they i use it at my house for like when cohen has um an ear infection i put some behind his ear it's like gone the next day so is it like straight up bear fat that you use or is it like a mixture of bear fat and then a couple other things for these kind of medicinal purposes so i use straight up bear fat for cohen but a lot of people they'll render down like they'll boil cedar and 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 put cedar oil in there or um they'll put different different medicines and they'll mix it together and use it as like a salve so okay. 
on your preference on how to use it. I always just put a little bit, but I just put, keep it in the fridge in like a little mason jar. And whenever he has like a sore ear or something like that, I always just, or dry hands. My girlfriend, huh. she has dry hands. Like she uses, like she, she juices. She has a company called Juice Me Healthy. And so her hands are always so raw and yeah. give her some of that. And it's just way better. Gone. Eh? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, a friend of mine has given me a jar of uh, bear fat, so I might have tried that on my hands because being a mechanic. Pardon? You should. Yeah, like being a mechanic and a guitar player and everything like that, like my hands are always so dry and chapped or calloused and whatever, so yeah. I might have to give that a shot. You should. All right, now let's talk about this moose hunt. Harvested three moose. Meese? Moose? Mooses? <laughs> Three moose. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. I'm still like moose hunt is like my dream hunt, and here you are harvesting three. Not jealous at all. <laughs> so yet for me, I'm still hunting. Um, but the three moose hunt this year, um, I I have a hard time talking about it without getting emotional. Um, emotional. It's your. <laughs> it's, it's raw. It's real. It's, it's feel all the feels. My brother, um, very gay, uh, flamboyantly gay, and he has, from the city, flight attendant, um, says to me, Shauna, this year's the year. I want to come down, and you're taking me for a moose hunt. He's First Nation as well. So I was okay. like, okay, like, okay. <laughs> let's go. Come on down. He's like, well, what time do I got to wake up? I was like, at 4.30, in my truck for five, like, let's go. So my son, my brother, um, my brother forgot boots, but I don't think he even owned boots. So he, that morning, he goes, Shauna, I don't have any boots. And um, a few years ago, we lost my cousin, Cody, uh, Cody Fox, and he was an avid outdoorsman, and I have his boots. That he had. He left them in my truck a few weeks before he passed away when we were out moose hunting. And I kept his boots in the basement and um, I, no one has worn them since him. So I said to Co to Robbie, I said, well, Cody's boots are in the basement, go get them. So he put Cody's boots on and didn't think anything of it, put Cody's boots on and we got in the truck, loaded my son in the truck, Robbie in the truck, um, and we went to the bush and we sat at the end of the road and that that morning as the sun came up and we I gave him tobacco and my son tobacco and we went outside and we prayed together as family um just being thankful for the day being thankful to be able to wake up that morning being thankful that um, we have these experiences and this ability to be able to go out and harvest for our family and we put tobacco down and in the road we went and um we're it was a long morning. We had like we didn't see anything going in, and um, and I, my brother and I were talking about how we were excited to go home and have a nap and get in the hot tub. And, and the words he said, I'll never forget. He said, "Shauna, I'm not even sure or positive that I know what a moose looks like in real life." Oh my god! And not even. Two minutes later, there's three moose standing in front of us. Oh my goodness. So I said, oh my God, there's a moose. <laughs> and I pulled up and I shot um, and the moose ran around the corner. And um, so I got out and I 
I like I, I walked down the cut road thinking that he just walked around the corner and he would be standing there giving me a second shot. So as I get up there, I could I saw him standing at the top of the, the cut and I took a second shot and boom, he went down. And then the first moose I shot stood up. Oh, so I was like, OK, well, you're not the first one that I shot then. You were you're the second one. And OK, so I shot the first one I shot and that one went down. So now I'm at two moose. So then I just look over to my right and then about from me from five, ten, I'd say probably 10 yards away. Like I could throw a rock and hit her. The cow is standing there and she like normally I, I don't I don't believe in taking cows. I, I'm not I don't hunt cows if I don't have to. I just harvested two beautiful bulls. I don't need a cow. So, um, I just thought maybe because she was an estrus that she was just acting really weird. And, um, so we turned around and we walked away and I knew that I had lots of work to do. I had just harvested two moose. So in the middle of, I was probably 40 kilometers from any sort of cell phone service. So we got in the truck. Yeah. So we got in the truck, um, and expecting that she's going to be gone when we got back. Um, we were like, she's going to peace out. She's she's just weirded out right now and scared because we just shot her two buddies. So we took off, we went, we called for help. We got to cell phone service, called for help. Um, we were gone for probably two hours. Came back. Oh, okay. Yeah. We came back, um, to start gutting and pull the animals out and she was still standing in the exact same spot. Yeah. So then, um, we waited another half an hour. All of our help showed up. She was still standing there. So what? Yes. So then at that point we had four, four or five trucks and at the end we all blared our horns. She didn't move. I, I shot four bullets in the air. She didn't move. So we were like, what is happening? So I get the four wheeler out of the truck and we drive down and I drive the four wheeler up and I bumped her. Like I literally bumped her with the four wheeler. And at that point that I was close enough, I could see that her eyes were white. So she was dead blind she could not move because clearly those two bulls were guiding her. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So she just laid down. She gave up. And when I bumped her with the four wheeler, she just laid down. Um, and so I, I, I went back to service and I called my elder and I said, what do I do? That's a tough situation to be in. Yeah. Situation to be in because, uh, and that's the difference between a tagged hunter and who's hunting for sport and someone who um, is out there as a First Nation hunter who's there to take care of the land and take care of the animals on it. Mm-hmm. And the elder said to me, Shauna, don't leave her there. Because what's coming? Once those gut bags are out of those bowls, what's coming? And I said, bears wolves yeah you know she goes and that i said well she's probably gonna get eaten alive like literally alive like when while she's alive those animals are gonna eat her because Mm -hmm. she she can't run she can't move she's gonna lay there and get eaten alive so i did what i did and i went up and i went i went back and i went up to her and she let me walk right up to her and she just she knew i was there i put the i put the barrel to her head and that was it for her so I took her life that day and I knelt with her and I, I bawled my eyes out because it wasn't something that I wanted to do nor planned to do. And, um, but her life was uh, appreciated and we brought her back to the butcher and the butcher went over the meat and she said that this meat's more beautiful than the bull meat. So, yeah. um, and you also ended her suffering too. 
absolutely ended her suffering and her potential like long suffering like yeah alive so my plan was never to harvest three moose it was to harvest two and um it just happened that way and her meat was donated and she's appreciated and um she went out in a better way than she came into this world because i think the butcher said she was probably born blind though they were all the same age so he thinks that they were probably born triplets and those bulls had guided her her whole life Mm -hmm. so um it is what it is and i'm proud of that hunt and um that was my brother's first bull hunt or first moose hunt and my first hunt with my son being there with my brother and it was just it was such a family moment and i loved every minute of that hunt yeah well i'm getting emotional like just listening to you talk about it i'm like that's just that's a beautiful story and like you said at the beginning of the episode like every these these animals um everything happens for a reason clearly that was supposed to happen like instead of her suffering like you said a long drawn out people coming take dirt people animals coming and taking chunks out of her here and there it just ended and her life was put to good use yeah absolutely so yeah that's the whole thing's filmed for the show and i i filmed it we filmed it and um I wasn't sure I was going to even talk about it. I was, that's why um, I only posted the two bulls in, um, in my, so on my social media. Um, I wasn't, I went back and forth on whether I was going to talk about the cow. Um, but now that I sit with my emotions about the, about how it happened and um, talking to people about how it happened and, and the course of action that was taken about it, um, I'm for sure going to air it about the show and mm-hmm. on the show. And yeah, so. It was a good well, that's the thing too. Like you didn't just like, all right, let's do this. You sat and consulted and you were like, okay, is this really truly the right thing to do? Yeah. So it wasn't like just an impulsive, like, all right, whatever. It yeah. you really actually dealt with it the proper way. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we're still not done. We still have one more hunt going right now um, for my dad's bull. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because he has the tag. He has a tag? tag. He has a tag. Um, this is the first tag that he's gotten 16 years of applying um, for the bull tag in, in, tw- in uh, WMM. Is it a, it's called WMU? Yes. Yes. WMU 28. <laughs> so has he gotten a moose before? And that's why it took so long to get a tag again? Yeah, so he's uh, he's hunted his whole life. So he's had a bull tag before. His last bull tag was 16 years ago. Oh, my. Yes. So um, other members of our party um, have gotten bull tags under their name, but this is his bull um, under his name, his first one in 16 years. So oh. I am bringing, I hunt with them. I bring my gun with me, but um, I also am hardcore carrying my camera and hunt with him behind him right now because um I, i'd love to see him be the one that takes out his tag and have the camera for him for the rest of his life because who knows if he'll ever get another bull tag in his lifetime at that if it's been 16 years already so exactly and he's yeah. like almost in his 60s so um how much he- longer is he gonna want to be trapezing around the bush and <laughs> oh a lot of work trapezing around the bush for a very long time so, <laughs> um yeah, he it's a lot of work and he is uh excited to get it. I am excited to get it. Um we're I actually while I've been on the phone with you, I had half my hunt party um 
watching me trying to figure out what's going on for when my dad gets home. Um, oh. because, yeah, because my dad works for none, in, in none of it right now. So we had to put his bull hunt on pause uh, while he's away at work, but he comes home this week. So we're going to be heading back in the bush with our hunt party this weekend in hopes to fill that tag. Well, that's super exciting. Well, yeah. wish you the best of luck on that one. Thank you. Thank no you. Problem. And I think that actually uh, brings us right around to the end of time. So the last question I'm going to ask you is um, what's one, everyone always says like, just get out there, but what's one actual piece of advice you would give to new hunters, hunters that are still in the game, but still like not having success. Like one piece of advice that comes just from you yourself whether it's like wear warm socks or whatever, just instead of just get out there. Everybody knows that we need to get out there, but what's like a trade secret? Like just one piece of advice you'd give. Don't be too prideful to ask questions because That's, yeah. there's guys out there that are like, Greg, I can't get anybody, anything to hit my bait. What are you doing that's different? And, and it's like that even for me in my culture, like, don't be afraid to ask questions because no question is a stupid and like, no, that's not a stupid, like no question, is a stupid question in my opinion, because um, you'll, you could get that knowledge and it could be something that resonates with you, but it could be something that doesn't. But if it does, then you take that little piece of information and you apply it to what works for you in the outdoors. And um, who knows, maybe it can make just like a big difference in your game out there. Um, whether it comes to hunting, fishing, different lures, different casting techniques, different walking types in the bush, like walking ways in the bush, or, um, you know, it could be anything that you're struggling with. Just always ask because um, there's people out there that have different ways and different thought processes and you can always learn. Exactly. Learning never stops. Learning never stops never. at the end of the day. Never. So, but, Okay. That is an awesome piece of advice. I want to thank you again for coming on and being my first guest. I really appreciate that. And um, do it. You're coming up north. Uh, yes, we're going to come up north and we're going to do some ice fishing because okay. I, I want to get the pike that's taller than me, apparently. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So in the fall at some point, if you'd like. So I'm always down with that. Um, but thank you again. Um, it's been awesome talking with you, chatting with you. I'm sure I'll probably have you back here come ice fishing or other seasons because there's there's always things to talk about. You know, um, know how to get a hold of me. Exactly. Awesome. And again, just make sure you watch our social media for our Chili Moose giveaway. And thank you guys so much for tuning into episode one.